Welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for joining us. The question that's been plaguing both employers and employees is when to return to work, who needs to come back, which days and why, and a number of other issues that surround work in the time of COVID. One company whose blueprint is really gaining some notice about how to approach this is Gojo and Actrin, the producers of Perel and other personal cleaning products. And we're here to talk to Emily Esterly about how Gojo is approaching this. Emily is the vice president of work ecosystem and employee experience. Emily, thanks for being with us today. So great to be here. One of the things I read is that Gojo was out in front of this question. You, your company started thinking about this back in 2020 when the pandemic was really just getting underway. Yeah, absolutely. So just to paint a picture of where we were at that time, Gojo had been this really entirely in-person, highly collaborative culture uh, prior to the pandemic. The pandemic hits in, in March of 2020, and all of a sudden there's both this extraordinary demand for our Purell solutions and also um, a need to obviously keep keep our team members safe. So um, we sent the folks who could do their work remotely home almost immediately in, in March of 2020. Uh, that let us spread out and, and take good care of the folks who needed to do their work on site. Um, and, and what we learned was that our collaboration didn't miss a beat. We learned overnight how to communicate in some ways um, even more effectively using digital tools. And I think what we recognized was that we didn't want to ask ourselves the question of how we go back. We wanted to figure out what should be in the future um, when we really think about the future of work. So at what point, though, did you start to say to yourself, we can have employees start to come back into the office and, and in work sites as well? Yeah. So um, so really what we did was we we sort of refused to set a, a return to work deadline like a lot of other a lot of other companies were talking about. We took a full pause um, on that to give ourselves time to do some really thoughtful design work. We spent 18 months beginning in in mid 2020 and sort of all the way through the end of 2021 to do things like um, interview our team members, talk to leaders, look at what best practices were emerging out in the world, um, come up with a hypothesis for what we thought this future of work should look like, and then do some pilots that included ways of working, technology, space types, all through spring and summer of 2021 um, to really test this different kind of model that doesn't have this go back date. Um, and instead, what we did was we designed something that was based on the work to be done that increases flexibility sort of across the board, but is really consistent with the different types of work that we do. Um, and we started rolling out new ways of working um, and, and some role types consistent with that in January of this year. Um, and essentially what we've been on this year is a year-long learning journey to put in place these new um, ways of working tools and spaces. So what you see is over time sort of increased use of our spaces, but no no single return date at which um, all of a sudden everybody's back in. Um, it's, it sort of works different than that. As you began to formulate this plan, you divided the notion of work into some different categories. What are they and how do they then help shape the plan? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, if you if you can imagine at Gojo, we've got folks in all different sorts of roles, ranging from R&D to more traditional office type roles like strategy, finance, HR. We've got folks in manufacturing and distribution facilities. We've got folks in sales roles that work all over the country and world. Um, so there's this really wide variety of stuff that we do. And what we said was this really boils down to four big categories of work. We've got individual focus time. We've got site-specific work that requires access to things like special equipment or things that only live in buildings, right? We've got daily teamwork, which can essentially be done from anywhere. 
care um, when you use good tools like like video conferencing technologies and and meeting free technologies. And then we've got milestone moments, which is the kind of stuff that we think is best done in person. Um, so really, if, across those four different types of work, we think you can catch all of the stuff that we do. But you can imagine that for any given role, there's almost like a heat map of concentration in those four different categories. And that's what determines the amount of time we think a, a given role will be on site versus, you know, all over all over the place, whether it's on the road or or uh, working from home or, or whatever it might be for those different roles. In addition to breaking down these categories of work, did you also look at employees and break them into different categories? Yep, absolutely. So those heat maps helped us essentially classify roles. And this is really important. We we did this based on the work to be done by, by the given roles. That's why we call them role types and not based on manager or team member preference. So those role types include a mostly virtual classification that is sort of 90% or more um, remote uh, all the way through a mostly on-site classification that is on-site typically um, 80 or more percent of the time, and the two blended classifications in the middle. And really, the the way you fall into those different categories is based on the kinds of work that you do. So if you do a lot of site-specific work, the kind of stuff requiring that special equipment, you're probably more likely to fall into the mostly on-site category. Whereas if most of your work is either focus time or, or sort of the daily teamwork that can happen from anywhere, you're more likely to fall toward that mostly virtual end of the spectrum. So your role gets classified, not not you as a person. Um, you can you can sort of find out how a role is classified by looking at job postings and things like that. Um, and then within each of those categories, there's an opportunity for individual flexibility uh, that that is sort of greater than the wholly in-person um, culture that we had before, um, because you know there's sort of like these these guidelines within which you can find better ways to sort of balance the work that you do um, and and your personal needs. When you began to formulate this plan, what kind of engagement did you have with your employees to talk to them about how they felt about it and allow them to provide suggestions, that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, our team members were loud and clear during the early part of the pandemic about what was and wasn't working um, in, in terms of the sort of overnight switch that we made to, to um, a lot of folks working remotely. So we learned a lot from that. Um, we also did these really intentional tests that engaged hundreds of teams and team members where we actually tried a bunch of the different ways of working and tools and spaces that we would, thought we would need to make this work. So part of, part of what has to happen in order for this whole ecosystem to work together is essentially what we came up with our four enterprise norms um, where we prioritize focus time, we default to digital for daily teamwork, we gather when needed, and we build culture and connection across Team Gojo. And if you think about what it actually takes to do all of those things, um, it actually requires sort of learning from team members um, what how, how new tools and new ways of working could be helpful, could could sort of best meet their needs in getting their day-to-day jobs done. Um, so we engaged them through all of that process last year. When you talk to the employees, what kind of concerns did they raise about coming back? You know, I think, I honestly think there was sort of a broad range of um, employee sentiment on all fronts, right? Um, I, I think in some ways, there are folks who, who found easier time focusing when they were not in the office and other folks who deeply missed seeing their colleagues um, all the time. So, so um, I don't know that it was necessarily a concern about coming back, you know, full stop. I think it was a, a recognition that there's sort of a better balance that we could design for um, in the future that gets sort of the best of both worlds, right? Like what are the, what are the, places and ways in which we can focus on on stuff that we actually can advance individually and how do we make sure that collaboration happens in the most effective ways we don't don't lose that really important aspect of our culture 
Emily Esterly joins us today. She is Gojo's Vice President of Work Ecosystem and Employee Experience. She joins us for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. We're talking about how Gojo is bringing people back to work and the plans they've devised to make it safe and fair for everybody. Emily, uh, one of the things we hear from some companies are saying, well, we want you back two days a week. And then people say, well, I'm coming in on Monday and I'm the only one there. Everybody else is there on Thursday. How do you cope with that kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I actually think it'll be sort of this, we, we developed some habits, right, over the last couple of over the last couple of years, and in some ways, we're in the process of living into this new future. That's going to take some some figuring out amongst all of us on when's the when's the most effective time to be in, and and so forth. Um, one of the things that's different about our model is we are not saying sort of here's a set number of days per week or the specific days in which everybody should come in. Instead, we're letting essentially milestone moments for for teams um, dictate the the times when are best to get together. And we want teams to have those whenever they need them. And so to just give you a sense of what a milestone moment is, um, these are these are sort of the relatively infrequent, but really important moments at key milestones in either a project or an annual cycle, or maybe an employee life cycle. Think like, you know, sometime in the onboarding phase, um, where, where it's most effective to get folks together literally in the same room if you can. And if you can imagine across different teams or work groups, those things happen, you know, all, all the time with lots of different frequencies, depending on, on what the team actually needs. Um, we want teams to be in control of when those happen and, and sort of call them when they need them, um, which means like at any given day, you might have, a, you know, a variety of folks in the office for a variety of different reasons. And that's where we're hoping that folks will sort of bump into one another in, in ways that I know people miss. Um, the other thing that will happen on on site with pretty consistent regularity is the site specific work. So we have folks coming in to work in our labs. We've got folks in our you know workplaces and and facilities teams. Um, all all sorts of things who sort of there more consistently. So I think what you'll end up seeing in the office as we sort of live into this more is just a, a still bustling place, but a variety of what's happening at any given time, as opposed to sort of this daily routine of, you know, everybody comes in and just sort of spends the day there um, by default. Are employees pretty understanding though? I mean, some employees might say, well, gee, why do I have to come in? But their job requires it. Does that raise any questions or they just simply understand I need to be in the lab, whereas someone who's in the HR doesn't need to come in? Yeah. You know, I, in general, I think folks have been pretty understanding because, because we've picked this pretty um, objective way of, of, defining what happens where, you know, if you if you're working in a lab and, and you need access to, you know, uh, formulations and and dispensers and specialized tools and things like that, um, it's, it's just simply not it's, it's not feasible to sort of do all of that uh, virtually. Right. On the other hand, what we've tried to do for some of the folks in mostly on site roles is recognize that parts of those work can happen virtually. So, for example, there may be data crunching days um, or there may be sort of report writing opportunities that, that don't have to happen on site. So even in the roles where there is stuff that is site specific, we're encouraging folks to work with their managers to find what can be done with some flexibility so that um, so that there's you know, you find flexibility where where you can. One of the things you mentioned was that um, you've learned a lot, you know, over this process about how things work and how employees work from home. Before the pandemic, sometimes employees would say, "Well, I would like to work from home," and management would tell them, "Well, that's not going to work for X, Y, Z." But apparently, maybe it wasn't a problem after all. Maybe the people could work more from home. Is that a lesson that's been learned that perhaps it, you know it, the flexibility is a great thing to have, pandemic or no pandemic? I think so. I mean, I think we learned a lot just by um, you know 
just out of virtual necessity, right? Um, overnight, just having to figure out how to make the collaboration that was so important to us happen from lots of different places um, in, in ways where, you know, the old the old way of doing things was turned off for a bit. And I think it did it did teach a lot of us how to, um, how to do those things better. I think it also identified places where we would need to build specific muscles to be able to do that long-term really effectively. So, I, you know, I don't think, I still think there's learning to do and improving to do. Um, but yeah, I absolutely think that this is this is something that's good, regardless of the pandemic. I think that's actually what we were trying to trying to imagine our, for ourselves when we were designing this is not just sort of what's the post pandemic reality need to be because the pandemic taught us something, but instead, what 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 should this always have been? What what's the best way to get our work done in a way that teams team members and Gojo can thrive? Did Gojo have to deal with a great resignation like a lot of other companies? You know, I think the I think the business environment has been disrupted. But one of the things that we have seen from this particular um, this particular effort is that it's a really strong selling point for both our existing team members and the team members that that we've brought on board. Sort of since we've announced it, we really think this is a competitive advantage, and folks have been thrilled about um, how how this uh, flexibility is working for them. Now you had an initial plan. Now you've had employee feedback. Did that feedback change anything about how you're doing it now? Absolutely. The feedback, honestly, the feedback continues to to shift this as we go. One of the things we're sure of is that what we've got right now is a really excellent working prototype that we are going to just continue to to improve as we go. And in fact, in some ways, um, we've we've rolled out a lot of the starting point ways of working that we we knew we would need. And as we're learning from them, we continue to do pilots on on ways to make things even better. Um, so so we're sort of constantly shifting this based on the feedback our team members give us. How important was it for Gojo's leadership to create this particular plan? I mean, I realize you needed to have some kind of plan in place. So I think what was important for Gojo leadership was that we figure out the very best way to get our work done in a way that would um, support team members in thriving, but also would support Gojo in thriving. Um, and so so we didn't know, we didn't sort of start with a solution in mind. We like to say at Gojo that we like to fall in love with the problem and not the solution. We wanted to give ourselves real time to, to get a sense for, you know, what actually we were trying to solve for, what were the best ways to possibly do that? And then how could we come up with a model that would, would actually go at that instead of sort of starting with a predetermined solution here? Do you imagine a day when Gojo employees are, and everybody's fully back in the office and fully back in the labs? I don't imagine sort of going back to that that model that existed before. I think that there will be sort of a new blend that um, that captures the the best of everything, right? So I think there will be stuff that will always be done best in person. I mean, and and certainly there's, you know, there are folks who have been on site literally every single day since this started. Um, in 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 the world that I imagine, we get all of the goodness of the stuff that makes the most sense to happen in person, and we find ways to just continually push the envelope on flexibility and for stuff that can be done from anywhere. And when I say from anywhere, I mean from home offices, but also on the road with customers. I mean collaborating across our different manufacturing facilities instead of making everybody drive to one centralized location. You know, I just think there are so many opportunities to improve the way we collaborate in a way that brings more voices to the table, that makes it more seamless to get work done, that that really sort of um, increases the, the sort of value you can add and the experience that you have. Um, and, and I think it'll look different from both what existed before the pandemic and what existed during the pandemic. Finally, any advice you'd give to other organizations as they try to look at a return to office? 
Yeah, I think the most important thing is to spend some time figuring out what you specifically need and how to design the thing that will work best for you. I think just like we couldn't design a one size fits all solution that would meet the needs of all of all of our employees and we had to customize it to the different kinds of work we do. Um, every organization's got to figure out what's the what's the work they have to get done and what's the right way to sort of get that work done in a way that maximizes um, effectiveness and experience. Um, I, I really doubt that there's a one size fits all model that works for for all organizations here too. Um, so I think I think that and being willing to do some trial and error along the way um, to learn and sort of keep improving as opposed to trying to design something to perfection before before giving it a try um, are probably the the things that I would recommend. Well, Emily, thanks for joining us. It's, uh, out of this horrible pandemic, I think a few good things have come, and this sounds like one of them, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. We, we certainly think this is a benefit for, for our folks, for our, for our organization. Um, we're excited about moving forward here. Emily Esterly is Gojo's Vice President of Work Ecosystem and Employee Experience. She joined us for The Landscape. I'm Dan Paletta. Landscape is a Cranes Cleveland podcast. We're glad you could join us, and we'll talk again soon. Mm-hmm.